Welcome to the Sports Card Lessons Podcast with your host, Big Ken, a retired teacher bringing you lessons each week he's learned in the hobby by taking you behind the table and inside the mind of a dealer and a collector. Sit back and relax. There won't be a test. The only thing being graded here is the cards. Welcome to the Sports Card Lessons Podcast. I'm your host, Big Ken. Whether you're watching on YouTube or listening on a streaming service, please like, subscribe, and leave some beat feedback. Welcome and thanks for being here. As advertised, I'm here with my man, Rob, sports card therapist, part two. What's going on, Rob? Ken, Ken, Ken. I tell you what, man, it is nice being able to drop two episodes in a row with you. We dropped on Thursday. Now we're dropping on Tuesday. Let's go. Let's give the people what they really want, you know, and that's uh, that's just two friends talking hobby. I tell you, one of the best pieces of feedback I ever get, and and I, I could really give the feedback to you, too, is that um, we never are pumping cards. We never are recommending or referring cards. It's just us talking about our experiences, the cards we're collecting, things that we are seeing at shows, which doesn't make it all the truth, right? Because it's really just our opinions. And, yeah. and, and, you know, we all, if seven people watch a car accident, you're going to have seven different opinions on what you're seeing. But it's really nice to be able to have a platform that you can just kind of give your point of view on things. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, you know, er like you just said, everybody has a different point of view, but not a lot of people can put it out there. Right. Uh, it, it, I honestly, honestly believe it just takes a special person to be able to get on here, get on the mic and, and, you know, just put your thoughts together and, 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 you know, just put good content out there. And, uh, you know, being a retired teacher, to me, it's always like, you know, I always feel like I'm teaching. I, I always feel like, you know, I spent my whole life trying to find, trying to write lesson plans and just thinking outside of the box all the time. So as I sit and do this, um, anything that I think uh, that I see that I think that could be important, it, it could be a teachable moment, anything like that. I, you know, I want to put it out there. Uh, and certainly it's not what cards to buy, right? Because, you know, we're, we're, we're all finding our own way, uh, you know, with our PC. I mean, especially me in my PC, you know, what I'm doing. I've been a little bit all over the place, you know, because I set up at shows and I have a PC as well. Um, and and uh, I think I'm starting to, you know, settle in a little bit on, on when it comes down to cards and you too, right? You're, you've been at this, you know, longer than I have. And all of a sudden these, you know, these last, I'm going to say month or eight weeks, six, seven weeks, right? You've really started getting into these, uh, you know, in-person autoed cards. And now you're, that's what you're all about. You know, we spend time together. I see, you know, where you're showing me your pickups, you're showing me what you're getting. And that's every, everything now is these, these hand signed cards. Yeah. And I tell you one really cool thing about it. So I always hear people talk about, and, and, and by all means, anytime I talk about vintage cards, I never want one of my points to be putting down modern. 
You know, that's not what I'm trying to do because I, I truly believe that vintage cards can stand on their own. Uh, but what I would say is a big knock on vintage is that, well, there's so many of them produced. You know, there's 700, you know, Willie Mays autos. There's 3,000 Willie or Willie Mays rookies out there that are graded with PSA and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, the good thing about vintage cards is not all cards are created equal. And second of all, when you add an on-card signature to a card, that takes the pop from maybe being about 2,000 down to under 200. And talk about the mystique of having a player hold that card in their hand. There's a reason why the hobby favors on-card autos much more than sticker autos. And that's because we know that the player has held that card and there is a certain mystique about that but to get back to what you're saying about philly let me tell you something philly was the absolute sports card lessons theme because i learned so many lessons by going there with you as a walker and not a dealer so many lessons i almost feel like to an extent, I've either been spoiled or blinded by always setting up behind the table. And it was really nice to be on the other side of the table and see how dealers act and what dealers say. Yeah, you know, here's the thing. We set up at shows. We get there early. Right. We do this. We've been doing this since we started setting up. We want to get there. What time the doors open? 630. All right. Let's plan to get there like 630 between 630 and seven, even though the show doesn't start till nine o'clock. Right. We get in. We set up. We walk around. We have one on one time with other dealers where, you know, we get to look in these cases We're we're not fighting with anybody. Um, we go to local shows and we walk those shows. We're on the other side of the table there's a lot of people there, but you can get in and you can get your one-on-one -on -one time with the dealer. You know, you see a card, we can sit, we can negotiate a little bit. I could, I could they take my case or you take your, your case and put it on my case. Let's open it up and look at it. But man, when you get into a show like, like Philly and it's just so crowded in there, right? Just well, so well, and the thing is not to cut you off, but these local shows, right? If you, if you're a regular fixture at a local show, if you are, if you've set up there at least a few times, or you've gone there and walked at least a few times, I hate to say it, but you basically know most of the people at the show. You either know most of the dealers and their inventory, or you know, most of the people walking, you know, for a fact, you know, who's a buyer, who's not you basically know them like the back of your hand so i think that there is something refreshing about doing a little bit of traveling to get to a show mm -hmm. so you and i we traveled the first half of the show was basically in a snowstorm right it was rain it was snow all throughout connecticut all throughout new york yep. and we made a three and a half hour drive each way trek mm -hmm. and really that was because we said you know what let's get out i don't want to say get out of our comfort zone 
and I heard you say that in one of your last episodes, not so much getting out of your comfort zone, but really just let's get outside of the area and see what else is out there. I knew I was really excited about going down there because I've always heard that Philly, that show is a hub for vintage cards. So I was super excited about going down there, but we had a great drive going down there. I mean, we didn't have any music on. We didn't have, we weren't listening to anything. We literally just talked for three and a half hours. We probably could have recorded three incredible podcasts in the time of what we were talking. Because for the most part, yeah, we're talking about some family. Yeah, we're talking about some of this and that. But for the most part, we're talking about really good hobby stuff. And the hobby stuff that we're talking about, I'm getting educated on in the moment. So I know that the listeners would be, would be intrigued to hear what we had to say. Yeah. I mean, we both collect something different, right? I mean, you and I are both kind of in, I mean, our lanes come together, but they're kind of different. So, which is awesome. Yeah. Which is great. So, you know, then I get in the car and I'm start talking about, you know, RPAs and, 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 and XRCs and things like that. And, you know, some hockey cards, Movechkin cards, maybe some Gretzky, right? And now all of a sudden you start bringing the vintage talk and you're talking about, you know, you know, these cards that are so the, the, the Uncle Jimmy cards and we're having a, a whole conversation about, you know, so it's, it's really, I think we, we both are educating each other, yeah. you know, on, on, on these rides, you know, but yeah, no, it's definitely a great ride. Yeah. And in a big, a big, a big part of the reason. And I want to say shout out to our good friend, Jeremy Lee from sports card live. Just last week, he posted a reel when he was talking about really the importance of having people in your life that do cards. And he literally name dropped the wolf pack. He said a good friend, Rob Gerard, um, always talks about find your wolf pack. And I completely agree with that. Find your wolf pack, like find someone, your wolf pack can be you and one person, but find that someone that you feel like you just click with that you guys can do stuff with that you can go to a show with. Mm -hmm. If you're not sure if you guys are going to be cool or not, or sometimes it's weird, right? It's like when you're an adult, it's almost like asking a guy out on a date, right? But it's like, why not just hit up that person, shoot a DM on, on Twitter, or Instagram. If you guys know you're both local, say like, Hey, I'm actually thinking about hitting up that show in Providence. If you want to meet up, I'll drive. You know what I mean? Just shoot out an invitation like that. And that's how it starts. But it, it's so important to find your wolf pack. Because let me tell you something. If it wasn't for you, Ken, I really don't think I would have made that drive all the way down to Philly by myself and all the way back. And I would have. Cause that's the kind of guy I am, right? <laughs> but, but you know what, it, how, how great is it to be able just to find somebody who has, who wants to do and has the ability to do the same thing and we'll find yeah. a way to do the same thing. I mean, we're, we're, our lives are at completely different stages, right? But we're always finding the time to get together and, and get to these shows. So, you know, I, I, I don't know many excuses that keep people away, you know, from, from, you know, really finding somebody who's, who, who is willing, who's local and willing to, you know, do what we do, you know, get in the car and head to these shows. And yeah, I think, I think for both of us, um, you know, you, you said you wouldn't have taken that drive. I would have, cause that's, 
who I am, but um, I think overall, would we both be here without each other? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't, I don't think either of us would be here. And I think it, you know, what's you know, what started with a hobby became a very good friendship, and you know, a lot of other things, you know, uh, yeah, all came together for like like a perfect storm. Absolutely. You coming to my 40th birthday surprise party, um, me being there watching you empty out your house and move into a new one. Um, you know, me calling your wife a B on speakerphone, uh, yeah, <laughs> which is still one of the funniest moments of our friendship. Are you still with that B Sherry? She's like, what? I was like, oh my God, I didn't know she was in the car. But yeah, no, it was definitely, definitely good, man. Yeah. So, so yeah, so we get to the Philly show and, uh, you know, we both have some connections and we are both able to get into uh, early setup, which is good, which by the way, let me just say this. Okay. I really do think that instead of really trying to reach out and ask for favors, I think that promoters like probably should bring a couple content creators into the show early to just do some filming, get some footage and, and talk to dealers because you know, all they're going to do is that's basically a commercial for your show. Yeah. So I think the fact that we had to kind of go around and, 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 and find some early entry passes to me, that was kind of whack. Like, I think that, if I was running a show, I would probably want to know, like, hey, are there any people that want to come in early during dealer setup and film? Maybe interview me being the person putting on the show. Like, you know, just like be smart like that. You know, I don't know. Am, am I am I wrong in that thinking? No, absolutely right. hundred percent. But I think what happened and we do that with these local shows. Yeah, right. We we hundred percent. We do it with the local shows. Um but I think the I think these bigger shows there's a, there's so much going on. I mean, um, I understand it's free advertisement, but do you think the Philly show needed advertisement? And I mean, I think that's kind of where the mindset is. You're 100 percent right, and I think yeah, they probably should put out you know maybe 10, 12 badges for people that like media people or just people that you know are content creators that you know you could just just say hey. Can you have a have a badge waiting for me? I'd like to get there an hour early or two hours early and go in, like you said, interview, do some recording, and then we'll throw it right up there. We'll throw it on Instagram Live or Facebook Live, whatever, wherever you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would agree. Yeah, I would agree. Um, so, okay, so we get in there, we're walking around. Immediately, I'm loving what I'm seeing. Immediately, I am seeing a lot of vintage. And one cool thing I'm seeing is me being a vintage guy. I tell you, I am seeing so much raw vintage. And I actually spoke with a dealer and he said, I refuse to put a graded card in my case because I truly believe that grading companies have ruined the hobby. Now, I, I feel like you could probably have a nice panel discussion with a couple people making that point and a couple people defending the grading companies. But, I mean, he makes an interesting point. But at the end of the day, I think the hobby as a whole has decided this is 
I guess the fairest way that we have, even though it might not always be the most accurate grades, it is the fairest way to have an idea of the value of a card. I, you know what, when it comes to the grading companies, I know a lot of people complain and I, there's a, so many videos out there. People say, oh, I cracked it and I resent it back in and I got a better grade. Well, did, did you send it the first time? First of all, was the card prepped properly? And did you prep the card properly the second time? I think what happens is, you know, with the grading companies, you can't knock them, right? I, I think they're trying to, you know, come up with the same grade for the same card and now they have to balance it if we've got a hundred of these cards you know what was the best and what was the worst but what happens if we're grading these cards now and then two years from now we get another 50 of those same cards do we base it on what the earlier cards were do we base it on what we're seeing now so i think they just have an overall so i think if you say you get a a you know a four on a vintage card, right? I think most vintage cards, you know, that that are the same are probably going to be may, maybe one may get a five, maybe one may get a three, but I think for the most part, they're probably all going to be fours. So, you know, when, when you see this, you always hear a lot of people say, how did that get a three or how did that get a four? That looks so much better, right? But but honestly, I think if we opened that stuff up, if we cracked that card open and we sent it back, it would probably come back the same grade. And it may look great to us, but there may be something to the naked eye we just couldn't see right away on the card. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not a guy that's gonna, I use the grading companies, right? I, that that's, I'm happy to use them. I'm sending tons of cards in. And for what I'm doing, I think the grading helps. It helps me. It helps the person that as a, as a dealer, it helps the, the, the buyer on the other side, buy the card. What you're doing in vintage is completely different, right? Because there's a thing now that I learned called I appeal, right? So you may have a three and a six and the three may have a better eye appeal than the six. And you'd rather buy the three because it has better eye appeal right that's all that's a whole other vintage thing that's going on yeah and and that's something that i love about vintage is the fact that with modern the comps are the comps right there's really no escaping that now if there's any negotiation to be had good luck with that you know the comps are the comps especially these high pop report cards now when it comes to vintage not every vintage comp is created equal i think that a comp on a vintage card is probably 15 to 25 percent of the equation there's very big arguments to be made for um centered cards you know um you know i have a my mickey mantle and i'll show it to you guys right now there is a so this Mickey Mantle card, it's a it's a four. It's graded a four, which means it's in incredible condition, great registration, great edges, great corner wear, right? I mean, this thing looks incredible, but it's graded a four with a qualifier of a miscut because as you can see, it's not centered. So it's a four miscut. And there are plenty of four miscut um, comps over the last six months or so that are anywhere between 12 to 20 K. But the thing is there are people that would prefer a PSA one 
that maybe is a bit dirtier the edges aren't as sharp and it's the corners are more rounded as long as it's more centered mm -hmm. so centering typically in vintage cards trumps all for most people mm -hmm. so you know it, it is what it is and that's why i love vintage because there's so much that goes into it there's so comps are literally just a small part of it whereas with modern it's definitely not but one thing that i noticed and it could be just because of the stuff that i'm buying i'm realizing the stuff that i'm buying um and like the stuff that i showed you last week right the stuff that i showed you on last week's episode the elvin hayes rookie He's a Hall of Famer on card auto. The Dr. J rookie on card auto. All these different on card autos that I'm buying. This Bill Russell 1961 on card auto. All these different cards I'm buying. These are super niche. They're super niche, which means I would probably have to walk up to. I could walk up to 50 tables and probably only five of them would have major interest in those cards. Mm -hmm. But the thing is those people that are interested in those cards, they know what those cards are. Those are big cards to have. Those are big cards to own. They're low pop cards. There's almost none available. You know, I mean, I, there were probably four cards that I brought with me that I can guarantee I was the only one in the show with that card. Hmm. Now, when you're setting up as a dealer, right, that's, that's, that's where you want to be. That's where I want to be. I want to be the guy in the room that's got cards that nobody else in the room has. Yeah. But when you, when you show up to walk at, walk a, a show, right, you need to start hunting for the guy that's got that, that you think may be interested in those, you know, niche cards. Yeah. And I tell you, there was only one dealer there that had vintage, a ton of signed vintage. That's all he had were signed vintage, right? So I'm looking through some of his cards and he's high on some of his prices. I pull out a Reggie Jackson rookie. It was authentic, PSA authentic with an auto grade of a 10. I said, how much for this Reggie Jackson? He said, $1,000. So in my mind, I'm thinking that's probably a good price, right? It's probably a good price. Um, I start looking up comps and literally PSA authentic graded with 10 autos with the 10 grade auto that looked just as nice as that card. Same inscription and everything like the last five of them. You know what they sold for? Like 350. Wow. And so I said, I'm the king of, I'm the king of telling people straight I'm high. up, like <laughs> I'm high on my cards. Like I'm high on the card. Like I don't want to start making excuses or play like dumb, you know, and like, oh, whoa, it is what? Oh, I guess I haven't looked at comps in a while. Like, I don't want to be that guy because A, it makes you look like either you have no idea what you're doing and you're clueless or B, it looks like you're straight up trying to deceive me. So I, first thing I'll say is, listen, I'm high on this card. I'm letting you know, even before I give them my price, I'll say that because I'm not motivated to move this card. So what I said to the guy was, I said, listen, I'm. And he's like, well, yeah, that, that probably had a different inscription. I'm like, nope, look, same centering, same inscription. I said, 
and and oftentimes I'm always throwing people like a life raft. If if like I can feel them drowning in their like BS, I'll throw them a life raft. And I say, listen, if you're high on your cards, I get it. I'm high on some of mine too. So like that's me throwing them a life raft. You know, it's like, listen, I get it. I said, well, listen, knowing that this card is selling for between 300 and 350 what's what's the lowest you could go because i did want to leave with that card i wanted to leave with something um and he goes 850 and i said i appreciate it thank you and the thing is when you meet a dealer like that and so if you think about that i realized that i'm i'm after somewhat rarer cards but he was literally 3x over comps hmm. yeah and i mean that becomes an issue right and, and you're looking for particular cards. Um, and I think we were both in the same boat, right? Because I went there looking for football. We talked about this the whole way down. You were looking for vintage. I was looking for football. Yep. Uh, and, and, and I know the, it was the same thing with the football cards, right? I mean, I walked that, I was able to walk that room, uh, before the doors open. Cause we were there a little early and, and, and I was able to go scout out a handful of cards that I would be interested in. I didn't even know the prices yet, but I, I, I knew the cards and I knew where they were. And before, before the nine o'clock, I just wanted to hit those five, those five and, and ask them. And on all of them, they were way over comps, way over comps on the football. And they said, you know what? Football's over. Football's down now. Um, I have to stick with this comp. But I said, you know, when I'm looking I'll give you just, just a, for instance, the car was a thousand dollars, right? He wanted a thousand dollars. The last comp on that card was say five eighty, But when I looked all the way back, October, you know, September, October, November, it, that card was selling all at, at that price, five, five fifty, five eighty, five ninety. So football season's over, but it should be, you know, it should be, it shouldn't have doubled in price until the next football season. It's not, it's not like it would, or I, I would think it would. And if I could get a decent deal on, on it, I would. Um, we both showed up with cash and cards. Right? We both had a pocket full of cash <laughs> and we both had a Zion box full yeah. of cards. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and after I went through the football and I realized I wasn't going to get any football, then I, eased my way into, you know, looking at some hockey cards and, you know, I had a similar situation than you did, but it was on a, you know, it was on a, you know, a Connor, Mc, uh, Connor McDavid card that, you know, I said, Hey, you know, and I, I've seen this dealer before. I said, Hey, what's the price on that? He goes, ah, it's 1400. He goes, that one's numbered. That one's numbered the 199. I said, 14. I said, that sounds a little high, you know? So I took the phone out and I took a picture of it and, the last one sold at three hundred and two dollars, but before that, they were selling at about six or seven hundred. And he said, "Ah, you can't go by that three hundred dollars." I said, "I won't, I won't." But we're still, we're still twice as much. The comp on this is twice as much. And he said, "Yeah, yesterday was a really busy day." He said, "I'm hoping for you know another busy day today." So he kind of led on to me that he raised all his prices because Friday was a busy day for him and he felt he could have gotten more for the cards. And, and I don't know if that's why the prices were higher in the room on Saturday when we got there, or they were just generally high, high, you know, to begin with. But, um, see, I think my concern is this, right? My concern is that like, I personally love going to car shows. 
I love setting up at card shows. I will not have a problem paying five to 10% over comps at a card show, right? Even 15 to 20% over comps. Um, this Dr. J rookie auto that I just showed that you can see sitting behind me, this Dr. J rookie auto, I paid about 30% over comps. I knew I could probably go online somewhere and get this card for probably about 30% cheaper. Now, I just made a couple big sales. I was at a show. I was feeling good. And I'm like, screw it. I'm going to make this guy an offer. He wanted two grand for that. And, you know, comps were like a thousand, you know? So, you know, I ended up making him an offer, I think for 1200 and he said, sure, I'll take it. So I know I could have gotten it cheaper. I have no problem paying 10 to maybe 20% higher because and I, is, this on, is this on vintage now or just on cards in general? No, I think just in cards in general, just in cards in general. Um, because here's the thing, you know, I, I definitely agree with the adage that if, if everyone is always buying under comps, eventually all comps will go to zero. Mm. And I do want card shows to exist and I want card shows to thrive. My concern is if card shows, if card dealers are literally selling cards at double or triple what they're going for online. I have zero reason to buy anything at a card show. Hmm. I have zero reason other than to walk the room and see people because hmm. what it feels like is that it's really hard to get a deal done at card shows, but that goes back to my quote, participation is required because I think that if you hit up enough dealers, you are going to find dealers that are motivated to move because not all dealers have iron hands or diamond hands. Mm -hmm. Some dealers are showing up and they're saying to themselves, I need to make two to three grand today. I don't know how I'm going to make it, but I need to make two to three grand. And there are deals to be had. Some dealers will sell their cards at 70 to 80% of comps. And I know and, that kind of contradicts what I'm saying with a paying over, but I'm not going to pay over comps if I don't have to. Point being, I still think there's great reason to go to shows. We need shows. Yeah. We need shows. And for a while, I was thinking that we needed LCS's local card shops, and I still do to an extent, but I, I'm not sure how many LCS's are going to be around when Fanatics really takes over, and that's a scary thing. Yeah, I, I just want to, before we jump, talk about that, I just want to jump back. Um, you know, as a, as a dealer, if someone comes up to me and says, hey, this is the last comp, will you take it for that card? 100%. I'm taking the last comp and that never happens as a dealer, right? I mean, how many times does somebody come up to you and say, Hey, you know, the last comp on this card was blah. I'll pay you a hundred percent of the last comp. It, it just never happens. They say the last comp was here. This is my offer. I'm I want to go below it. Um, when I show up at a show and I know what I'm looking for, especially football this time of year, I'm willing just to pay comps. I'm, I'm willing to be that guy to say, Hey, the last comp on this card was $712. I mean, I'll give you 700 for it right now, you know, but, but I'm not going to give you 850 
for a card that the last comp was 700, right? Mm -hmm. and, 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 and that's just who I am. So when I show up at a show, and it, like this show, with a po pocket full of cash and a Zion box full of cards, right? I, I, I'm coming here. I want to make deals. I'm coming in. I want to make deals. I'm prepared to pay what what comps are on a card, and and I felt that I this weekend I couldn't do that. I I I just you know I couldn't get to a place where um, where I was just paying what the actual comp was on a card. Um, and, and jumping into your other question with fanatics. Yeah. I mean, I would love, 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 love to open up an LCS, right? Just give me one more thing to do, right? Besides all the other things I do in my life. Right. But you know, when, when I went down to North Carolina and, uh, to visit my daughter and, uh, I went to the, uh, cardiacs cards down there. It's the LCS. And that place was just rocking on a Saturday morning, just car full of the parking lot was full of cars. People were in there and, you know, his allocation on wax is what drives all the people, which drives his customer base. Everybody was in there. He's got tables. You go in there and open up the wax. People are buying hobby boxes left, left and right. It was like a frenzy for these boxes in there on a Saturday morning. I thought to myself, if I could figure out a way to do that here where I live, a hundred percent I would do it. But there's 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 no way to do that. I had a friend that had an LCS up the street, right? And he was asking me, hey, when you're at Target, when you're at Walmart, if there's anything good there, just buy it and I'll pay you for it. Because he just wanted to put wax on, on his shelves because he couldn't get it from anybody else. So yeah, I think I think the um I think the fanatics is gonna is gonna even hurt hurt even these really successful lcs's yeah yeah and speaking of so michael rubin uh from fanatics was at the philly show let me just say the philly show was packed it was mobbed it did seem like that is the way you do a show whatever it is they did they did it right um they have no absolutely no power over what dealers are selling at right all they know is they're getting in dealers and the place was packed the place was mobbed there was a great variety of cards there um you know i know you know i bumped into a bunch of people i even had uh, my guy sasha p he hit me up about 10 minutes before he got there asked me if i wanted chick-fil-a uh, that was cool that's the second straight show where someone's bought me chick-fil-a yeah. Um, I got Chick-fil-A brought to me, remember, at the Mohegan show? Mohegan Sun Casino. Yeah, I was right next to you, Rob. Both times I'm next to you while you were eating your Chick-fil-A. Dude, I'm moving right along. <laughs> and so so that that was cool, man. And uh, you know, definitely got to see cousins, you know, got to see the cousins from the Wolfpack, got to see the commish. The commish is an incredible guy. You and I have talked about how how likable the commish is. Yep. Um, I know you got to see sports car dad. I did not get a chance to see him. Yeah, we um, we we ran into each other. You know, you gotta remember the place was packed, it was hot in there, right? And uh and he we were we were literally passing by and the the funniest thing i said to him was it, i i didn't realize you were, you were as tall as you were you know and he wasn't incredibly tall right it was just you know when you when you when we talk with people like this we're all sitting down nobody has any idea how tall or short anybody is and yeah you know, i'm not a tall person to begin with so if you're taller than me it doesn't mean you're tall you're just taller than me and yeah it was just yeah 
And, uh, you know, we chatted for a little bit, but it was like, it was, it was so crowded in there. There was nowhere really to go, like to say, hey, let's go stand over here and talk or go there. I mean, it was just between those rows. There was a lot of people in there and it was hot. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people. There was a lot of vintage. There was a lot of big money there. SGC was there. I actually um, submitted um, a card for a potential crossover. So I'm going to see how that goes. I probably should have submitted. I really, if I would have thought about it, I would have submitted this, uh, this Cassius Clay, this Hemet's Journal Cassius Clay rookie, just, just to get it re-slabbed so I can get it in a new SGC holder. But there was so much going on, you know, I really didn't have a ton of time to think, but, uh, yeah, I mean, overall though, I, I can't say anything bad about that Philly show, you know, other than, other than the vendors seemed a little bit high, but that, that has nothing to do with the promoters itself. The promoters itself are not an incredible show. So definitely shout out to them. Salute to them. The hobby definitely feels alive and well. There were a lot of different people there that made the show. Um, but, you know, I think one lesson that I've learned really, and this goes back to you with your lessons learned, is that uh, that vintage cards... There's nothing wrong with vintage cards being raw. You know, I saw, you know, it felt like the show was 60% vintage. And out of that 60%, I would say probably at least half of it was completely raw. And, you know, it's, it's, you want, I, I get it. You want to know what grade you're getting on a card, but it's a nice little reminder because I do have a lot of raw vintage and I'm kind of caught up in that new school way of thinking like, well, I'll get the most bang for my buck when it comes to grading. But you know what? A lot of these vintage guys, even a lot of the vintage customers, they don't necessarily want to buy graded cards. You know, I ended up buying a graded card for, it was a 1951 Bowman graded card and since I'm set building, I'm cracking it out and I'm just going to put it in my binder. So, you know, a lot of set builders with vintage and uh, I don't know. And, and, and of course, with me, what, what I collect, I mean, I, I, I just like it graded because it's authenticated. Yep. You know, I, I know it's real uh, and, and I have an idea of the grade. Like, I, I don't mind if it's going into my PC. I don't mind if it's an 8, an 8.5, right? It doesn't need to be a 10 to go into my PC, but it's authenticated. It's real, right? So, um, I and I know I can gauge what the price is on it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, before we wrap up, what do you have going on? What is going on in the world of Ken, a.k.a. Sports Card Lessons, whether if it's a um, upcoming shows, upcoming trips, PCs? Well, I've got a you know, we, we I talked a little bit about it uh, on the last episode that I worked out a deal. Uh, when I do get that card, when I have it in hand, I will talk about that. But that's going to be a pretty, pretty big card for my PC. Um this is March, probably going to walk uh, walk a Plainville show, I think, this weekend and walk a New Britain show the following weekend. And uh, April, we have Springfield. We have a show in Springfield. Uh, we have a show in Hofstra. I, I think I have three shows in a row, right? We have Springfield, Hofstra, and then uh, I am going to the Toronto show in April, too. Wow. Right? 
Yep, I've already got my uh, my flights, my uh, my hotel. Uh, I'm ready to go for uh, for Toronto, so I'm excited about that show. Yeah, just a lot of. I'm just staying really busy. Uh, I've bought some equipment. I'm figuring out how to use it. I'm hoping to do a little vlogging, you know, with uh, some of these trips coming up and some of these shows. You know, just trying to uh, figure out new ways to bring uh, to bring the hobby to, to the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. How about you, sports card therapist? What do you have coming up? Well, I know that we are setting up um, at in Springfield at the New England uh, Card Show in Springfield, Connecticut. And I know that I'm going to be hosting a another panel discussion at the basketball hall of fame in Springfield. And I know that you are going to be a member on that panel, which is really cool. Have some big names that are going to be coming on. Um, I'm going to be announcing those names within the next few weeks. Um, Yeah. And you know, I'm, I'm really just trying to gear up for national. I know that national is still what, four months away four months and two weeks away but that's only you know that's only uh one third of a year it's going to go really quickly and especially with these summer months coming up you know how how quickly that these months pass by so um so yeah plenty of time to stock up up, right definitely get what we need for national definitely and uh and I, i know that you and i have talked and and we've talked about when when we're making purchases and when we're going to shows and you've talked about how, um, and, and, and forgive me if I'm paraphrasing, you can correct me, but you, you talk about how when you are shopping, you are shopping primarily for inventory and that's what you're looking for. And for me, I'm shopping primarily for personal collection, pri- primarily for PC and don't get me wrong. You know, I, I, I have, I do get slabs that I know are strictly inventory, but a lot of times that's just so I have something in my case, Mm -hmm. you know, because I have a nice bottom row of stuff and it's all PC and it's all not for sale, but I don't want to have a bottom row that's not for sale. And then I want then a bunch of base slabs, you know, so I still want to be able to have some stuff because it is fun setting up. It's fun setting up and it's not even about getting the deals and, and, you know, buying, selling and trading. I mean, it's partially that, but really it's about meeting with the people and, and talking with the people. And, and it's cool because a lot of these customers and that walk the show, they, even if they don't buy anything from you, you know, I mean, a lot of them say, I've heard them say it to you. They say it to me. They're like, is it weird that it feels like we really know you guys and you don't know us at all, but because we listen to the podcast, um, you know, we, we really know you mm-hmm. and I'm like, yeah, it is a little strange, but it's also really cool and it's really humbling and, and I wouldn't prefer any other way. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and you know what? It's great too, is when people start reaching out, uh, and, and I know you've, this has been happening to you for a while now it's been happening to me for a shorter 
time, but you start to get to know these people, right? They start reaching out, they show you their pickups and they ask questions and, and, you know, what you think about this and what do you think about that? So, you know, when you do run, run into them in the shows, you already know kind of what they have in their case or what they collect their, you know, some of the conversations you've had with them. And, and, you know, at the beginning, I'd have all these people coming up saying, Hey, I love the pie. And I would just shake their hands. Like, thanks for listening. Right now that come up, I am, I'm more on a first name basis or, or even, even if not, you know, their, their Instagram name basis. And I know what they collect and, and, you know, uh, in this happy, in this hobby, you, you attract what you're doing. So a lot of hockey people are starting to, uh, you know, hit me up for, for things with hockey and, and, and obviously you with your vintage, you know, so it's kind of cool. So you have the, 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 the different layers of friendships, uh, now in the hobby. And, and I wanted to jump back a minute too. And it's interesting. And I, I mentioned this once before, I think it's when, uh, maybe when I did an, a Wolfpack episode with Carmine though, about what, when we, it, it's interesting when we do go shopping, right. I'm always shopping for, what I'm going to put in my case, like, you know, I'm thinking of national, what am I going to bring out there? Like that type of thing. And then, and we talked about this in, in the ride on the way down. You're like, yeah, no, I'm vintage. This is all for me. I'm going here for me. I want to buy for me. So I so say you're, you concentrate more on your PC. And, and my thought about that is if I can buy what I'm want to sell, then I don't have to entertain my PC cards for sale. Right. You know, I don't, maybe I'll, I, I put some in the bottom so people can see them like you and it will attract people that'll say, Oh, you collect uh, Mike Tyson. So do I, let me show you what I have type of thing, but I want to put enough inventory in my case. So I never think about selling my PC cards, you know, where you're at a situation now where you have more PC cards than inventory. I, I, I mean, how, how often do you hear me say, I feel like every three months I, in a way, start to panic and I'm like, I have no cards. I have, I, I have no inventory. I have nothing to put in my case. And so I end up kind of going on like a spending spree of cards that I don't even want, which is like ass backwards to me because it's like not something I want to be doing. I want all my spending to be very, very methodical with with my pc cards i don't want to be wasting any money but at the same time i do want to be able to you know have cards that i think like people might want like like a cool card that i just picked up recently that that i know i'm going to move and would be cool to have in my pc but i really don't have any personal connection to it is this 2003 absolute um memorabilia pro bowl it's a piece of a pro bowl jersey that um tom brady. That tom brady wore and it's only numbered out of 600 and because you know tom brady's been really voted like 20 pro bowls but i think he's only played in one maybe two you know what i mean is that, so, game, is that, is that game worn oh yeah yep yep nice yeah. an authentic jersey personally born worn by tom brady in the 2002 pro bowl this authentic game worn jersey was obtained and guaranteed wow yeah, yeah. I'm sure that's pretty so rare it's yeah. pretty cool like like talk about rare right and it's like it, it is kind of hard to comp these cards because even though it's numbered out of 600 these cards usually just don't come up especially pro bowl cards because there is such a mystique about 
how many Super Bowls he's played in. And even when he didn't play in a Super Bowl, he often just wouldn't play in the Pro Bowl. Mm. So, yeah. you know, it, it is cards. He was already like on vacation. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It is cards like this that, you know, I like to, you know, kind of have, um, you know, everything from, you know, so, you know, like the Tom Brady, then I have the the Dak Prescott uh, rookie, which is numbered out of 99. Then I have the Lamar Jackson XRC. Then I have the Tony Romo auto. It's a prison auto, which is kind of cool. Magic Johnson uh, Mosaic auto. So, you know, I like to have like cool things like that, I guess, you know, that are considered, I guess, like low to mid end. But um, but in all reality, I want to move these to move up into a PC card, rinse and repeat, mm, yeah. you know, so, yeah. you know, a lot of my cards now I've owned for, you know, coming up on two years, mm. you know, or, you know, year and a half and with no plan to move them unless it's to upgrade the grade. Yeah. And, and you'll be proud of me. That's what I did this week. I moved four of my my case, my show cards to, for a PC card. Nice. Yeah. So, nice. yeah, I took a, le I took a lesson right out of the uh, sports card therapist playbook. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. Well, listen, man, this has been great. Yeah. Um, you know, back to back episodes, two weeks in a row, uh, you know, something really cool. And I know it's been something that we're going to continue doing. I know we talked about trying yep. to do one episode every two weeks, but yep. um, it's kind of cool to kick it off doing two weeks in a row. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. And yeah, this uh back to back, the double shot yep. double shot episodes. So yeah, this absolutely. Is absolutely. Well, guys, thank you very much for tuning in. As always, it was a pleasure having you guys tuning in and listening. And um, don't forget that however you're listening to this podcast, whether if it's on Ken's sports card lessons or if it's on Rob's sports card therapist. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button, hit that notification bell, because sometimes we just drop random episodes that you never know about. So having that notification bell and subscription is key. And uh, I guess that's it, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in, whether if you're watching or listening. Don't forget, take care of yourselves and your collection. And until next time, take care of yourselves and everyone around you. Take care, Rob. You too, brother.